Good afternoon, everybody. My name is CJ, and welcome to the Distracted Podcast. It's been a very long time since we've posted anything. Uh, today, though, it's only just little old me. I wanted to record something today and wanted to do something um, a little bit more unique. We haven't done this uh, since episode two, but I wanted to do an In the News uh, but in the format of a one-shot, because the topics today are of particular interest to Elijah and Alec, and I wanted to sort of get a little bit of a teaser tidbit in uh, while I could and while I had the ability to, uh, mostly because uh, this entire summer has been very, very busy and also very, very dull to a degree, mostly just because of uh, not working. But I start work uh, uh, very, very soon, and I wanted to get something out before my time during the day is a lot less. Um, so to get into it, there's been a lot recently, uh, as of today, as of day of recording, um, there was recently um, a lot of news about the Flash film that. DC's been trying to, well, finish up. It was delayed by, I think, I think twice or three times. Um, I can confirm that very quickly. But as far as the, um, the problems with the film, the major issue has been of its main actor, uh, Ezra Miller, um, has very much been not doing great, uh, as far as a lot recently has come out of uh, come out of their life to sort of make things difficult for this film to actually come out um, they had gone to Hawaii accosted people and crashed weddings punched people um, potentially kidnapped somebody it's a lot of conjecture this is all opinion this isn't anything concrete but mostly just as I'm confirming uh, various effects um, so yeah this year the film was the, the the film was in production back in April of 2020 uh, lockdowns happened and then they pushed the film to July 1st of this year then bumped it to July, June 3rd. Or well, had it originally for July 1st, then bumped it to June 3rd, and now it's delayed. Um, because Ezra Miller's just been the fastest man, or the, fastest, the fastest in non-binary individual alive to just go on this rather, rather disheartening, like, array and outcry for like either help or having to deal with something with their celebrity and as a result <clears throat> uh at the same time as this has been going on uh warner brothers because of a lot of financial difficulties most people blame in within the industry blaming the um the snyder cut of the justice league film getting another 70 million dollars pumped into it in order to for it to be finished and put out as Zack Snyder wanted it in original vision along with added content 
Uh, they blame that uh, fan campaign to get the film released in its original vision on a lot of the financial woes for the company. So they ended up selling and finalizing a sale with Discovery. And since then, they've been, finali they've been finalizing everything, and they finally got everything in line. During this, a new, another DC project was in production, uh, a Batgirl movie with a woman of color playing Batgirl and bringing, and I believe it was Firefly as the villain, with uh, being played by um, Brandon Fraser, uh, as famous for the Mummy trilogy. Uh, and unfortunately, within the last couple of weeks, uh, this project was canceled and thus used as a tax write-off, along with a lot of other um, Cartoon Network and other sort of projects and shows being canceled and used as tax write-offs because Warner Brothers had a lot of debt and Discovery within the purchase took on a lot of this debt and has been trying to pay it off. As a result of this announcement, uh, their v market value went from $36 billion down to, as of today's recording, to market cap of $31.5 billion. They've had like a net loss of $4 billion overall, and things just keep going bad, going from bad to worse. And it's, it's disheartening, because there's been a lot of uh, Twitter... Uh, activity from like showrunners and creators uh, whose like cartoons like Infinity Train uh, have been just canceled. There's a very now infamous tweet of the creator of the show Uncle Grandpa from the 2010s. Not not my cup of tea for cartoon, but it was it was it was something to somebody, and it was something to this the showrunner. He drew Uncle Grandpa with a gun in his mouth, and uh, basically had changed everything about their uh, Twitter feed to be posting random, I think it was like teddy bear pictures or something. And it's like, I used to run the show, now I just do this, because that's what I've been led to. And a lot of discourse about um, for, uh, shows and stuff being seen as assets as opposed to cultural stepping stones is kind of re-entering the conversation. I don't want to go too deep into the DC side of things because that's something that Elijah, Alec, and I intend on recording a full podcast episode about. I just want to get some surface level information thoughts out there about it, mostly because of the cartoon side of things. Um, a lot of the shows and projects involved um, LGBTQA, um, POC, and original content that isn't tied to um, other brands or other um, licensed IPs. Uh, Batgirl being the, the major center point of this whole tax write-off situation because of it being, well, it's Batgirl. Everyone knows who Batgirl is. And uh, the sort of the news about it, like, Everyone was enjoying the project. We got to see some videos of Brendan Fraser's birthday and them giving him birthday cake and whatnot on set. Um, everyone really enjoying the project and getting along and then getting, can getting canceled and then shelved 
and then recently, within the last few days, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery said that everyone who worked on the project was allowed to uh, see the project as in its current state one last time before they permanently deleted it so they could t mark it as lost assets, which spurred on the um, the art being property in corporate circles and it be in things being created not being allowed to be kept by the creators which you know that gets into license laws and copyright uh, fair use even to some point and to some degree um, there's a lot of other sources on YouTube at present and elsewhere within the reporting world that will offer a little bit more insight to the situation um, but I just wanted to address it because I I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty simple person I I'm not as well read in regards to comic books as Elijah and Alec are combined um, a lot of my stuff comes from um, my father and being raised on things like G.I. Joe, Transformers, um, Star Blazers, um, Thundercats. A lot of the cartoons and like anime imports that he grew up with and thus through cultural proxy learning, about co learning a lot about comic books and superheroes through him. And as an adult and going through my life and having things like the Michael Bay Transformers, the failed G.I. Joe films, Pokemon becoming this big multimedia thing, Yu-Gi-Oh kind of falling from grace for me and like kind of falling out of that. Uh, all these different intellectual properties and things. I, for the most part, a lot of these I can still have access to or people have gone and went, look, we understand all of this is old. We'd like to redo this, but improve the story, improve the writing, improve the pacing. Um, Elijah recently uh, we've been watching the Star Blazers reboot uh, that was released as a movie in Japan as an anime film and then they broke up into multiple episodes and they expounded upon different story arcs and different plot beats from the original series I believe they have three seasons of it or they're working on the third season and I'm like wow I forgot about Star Blazers and I can still get DVD copies of the original Star Blazers if I really want to hunt them down and get them. Same thing for Transformers. Um, and then in regards to that, like, I've been looking at IDW's continuity um, and, like, their improvements in a lot of what's been accepted as now canon, or at least has led to things being accepted as canon from their continuity and their ideas. And I, I just get disheartened looking at something as so monolithic as detective comics and like action comics under the DC umbrella and these characters that are modern mythological beings in the cultural zeitgeist becoming more or less just clay tokens in this corporate poker game and everyone's cheating and everyone has a gun under the table because they know what they have and they know how to exploit people because they have it and it's upsetting and it's even worse when it comes to, like, Cartoon Network content, because, like, that means things like Adventure Time, Steven Universe, the original Ben 10 run from original Ben 10 to Alien Force and whatnot. All that could be in danger. All these shows that were pivotal stepping stones in a lot of people's formative years 
could be under threat and they can't show their kids what they grew up with and like give them a point of um give them a bridge to relate because like that's how my father did it with me with what he grew up with because it wasn't so much that he forced me to enjoy the things that he enjoyed but to at least expose me to the things he enjoyed to figure out what i would potentially enjoy like i'm a gamer i own several antique content like antique consoles well what's considered antique now and i want to be able to have the capacity and technology to be able to show my kids if i have any in the future what i used to grow up with and then being able to have that connection of like hey come and take a look at this enjoy this and now you see what you have now this is where it came from having a point of origin is important with all these things and it feels like Warner Brothers Discovery has kind of lost the plot with that. And I really want to get into that with Elijah and Alec. Um, but I guess to wrap up the uh, Cartoon Network side of things, a lot of people are coming out and discussing, well, what do we do now? Where do we go? What, who do we even sell these ideas to? Or is there even a way for us to get, get them back? Uh, Elijah shared with me a couple of articles about a Batman animated anthology show that was going to be produced by um, Bruce Timm, Christopher Nolan, and Matt Reeves. Uh, all people who have done great work with Batman, Matt Reeves being the most recent one with The Batman with Robert Pattinson. And uh, other places, other streaming platforms are so interested in uh, picking this up and putting it out there. In I'm I'm wondering if I, I guess as a little bit of my uh, perspective on this, I'm wondering if this is going to lead to a collapse of streaming networks as a whole and applications, because it's just becoming cable all over again, but dumber. Um, but yes, uh, there's a lot other... Uh, a lot of other topics I want to cover today. Um, I might make another one shot discussing strictly uh, the potentially the death of streaming services. And that could become uh, a factor in the Warner Brothers Discovery discussion in the future with Alec and Elijah. Uh, but for right now, I want to transition to another important topic, which is going to be in our part three of our D&D 5.5 discussion. Because in the news... Wizards of the Coast decided to drop a big bombshell on us. Recently, uh, Wizards of the Coast had their Wizards uh, reveal uh, Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, new releases, uh, content that's coming out for the rest of the year for quarter three and four, and going on into the future of 2023 and 2024. Uh, among these, they officially announced the release of um, the Dragonlance um, source book and adventure uh, set during the War of the Lance, uh, which is a very interesting place for them to take 5th edition because it's technically going, I believe it's going back in time in the uh, Dragonlance setting, which is kind of good because of how uh, Dragonlance ended up in the books. Uh, with the fifth age, they also announced a new set uh, involving Frexia 
for Magic the Gathering. Uh, that's something that Alec is more attuned with in regards to uh, that game. However, uh, as, a, as a bit of a lean-in to part three of our 5.5 discussion, they announced and have thus since released Unearthed Arcana playtest content for what they're calling One D&D. Uh, now, from what from people who have listened before and have listened to part one and part two of the D and D five point five con uh, episodes and like our discussion, figuring out what's 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 going to be next for D and uh, We all play five e. Um, all three of us now run a game, and uh, what was announced was that uh, come twenty twenty four, Dungeons and Dragons is becoming one singular backwards compatible entity with 5th edition. And they released uh, playtest content for player creation, or character creation for players. They're adding in a lot more uh, features in regards to uh, feats with levels. Um, you have to either be a specific level or adding prerequisites like it did in 3.5. Um, they're officially bringing in the orc as a official race in the PHB because they're updating the big three books, the monster manual, the player's handbook, and the dungeon master's guide. And everything that Jeremy Crawford had mentioned in an interview, uh, recently on the Dungeons and Dragons channel, you can, uh, go watch it now and look it up. Uh, he had mentioned, uh, a lot of new rules changes happening from playtest content and people writing in. Um, some things might stick, some things may not. Uh, it is really up to conjecture because it is playtest content. Uh, nothing is in stone until the first book is published and the first series of errata and editing changes are made for second printing. Um, but it is sort of a return to form, in a way, to having a game that can look back on itself and be able to be played backwards compatibly. Especially where everyone's been, it's almost been 10 years, damn near 10 years for um, fifth edition. Cause it came back, it came out in 2014 with the player's handbook. Uh, I think full release by the end of 2015. Uh, Cause they were celebrating the eighth, the uh, eighth anniversary, I think of the full release for fifth edition this year. And it's, I think it's a good idea and a good direction. They're also, I think, I think part of their announcements, they're updating a lot of the old adventures. So that way they're able to, people can still keep playing those adventures. They don't have to buy new books. If they have the digital content, it'll be automatically updated. Arata will be posted. But there's some concern, at least for me as a DM, in regards to the idea of was mentioned for future content uh, critical critical roles work differently for players and critical hits don't necessarily work out for monsters they don't have that sort of function which granted as a dm uh you can have anything goes because the first rule of DD is the rule of cool if someone asks asks to do something and you can feasibly see as a dm how it could work have them roll for it um if if it it makes a dramatic impact that you just roll a 20 with this dragon and the guy that is in the way of the breath weapon is going to die from it potentially or is going to go down at a pivotal moment make it dramatic allow it to happen because the dice tell the story as much as the players and the dm do 
uh, it's a lot of mechanical crunch stuff right now that they're testing out. People are able to uh, download the player options content, uh, start building up characters, start testing them in their games with games permission or DMs. Hey, let's run a run one shot with these rules, see what works, see what doesn't, post our results to uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, the big thing that was hinted at and announced is also over as Alec Elijah and I believe Nathan in episode two all talked about uh, was a return to Planescape and the recent um, source book a source book uh, monster compendium and adventure that was released for Spelljammer all sort of open up the idea and the ability to go to the go to the Taurus and go to Sigil and be able to be in the Planescape setting. I think this is great. This is brilliant. This is a great way to lead into uh, 1D&D because it reopens up the multiverse in an actual big way instead of just having multiple source books and people just kind of homebrewing in the content that way. There's also been a lot of negative press about Spelljammer because it was it seems a bit underbaked and a little bit rushed in regards to writing. Not a lot of um, specificity on certain mechanics. Um, that'll be for a future discussion. Uh, probably not D and D Part Three for the five point five discussion. Uh, maybe another one shot with Elijah because he's been reading through the content, so that could be coming up in the future. So. I guess the important question, as a consumer of Wizards of the Coast's uh, product, uh, where do you go from here? Because one D&D suggests a uni uh, unionizing of the edition system and making it one game and making it so people, oh, I'm not playing 5th edition, I'm playing D&D, because a lot of people just call it D&D and that was kind of the point as to why they're calling it Project 1 D&D. Uh, some things I'd like to see, and this is definitely something I'll discuss with Elijah and Alec, and I believe both of them would agree, uh, I would like to see when I buy physical copies of the books, I get a code for the digital copy. So that way I have both, and I don't have to buy both for about the same price, or a difference of $10. I'm not spending almost $100 for two copies of the same thing in order for me to use on D&D Beyond. Uh, they announced that they're going to be doing a tabletop, uh, a virtual tabletop program, so you can run your games through the PC and stream it. Okay, I completely agree with that. I'd like to see some more open sourcing for D&D Beyond for places like Cobalt Press that release independent content, or um, uh, like Green Ronin Games, or Critical Role's uh, official, uh, I think it's Darrington Press is what they're called to be able to get the Taldori setting book in D&D Beyond. Figuring out a way to be able to make those sorts of agreements make sense and be fair in regards to profits would be great. I don't think it would happen, but that's like a pipe dream sort of thing because this is just all conjecture at this point. Um, but I'd like to see a return to some of these weird settings like Dark Sun and maybe expand the Forgotten Realms beyond the Sword Coast. I'd like to be able to have adventures in the desert. 
I like to be able to see things that I'm not familiar with and that people haven't been able to see for decades at this point as whole generations of a whole generation of players have grown up without some of these old adventures elijah's game uh he run he's running temple of elemental evil and it's great it's interesting to see how the writing was back even like back in the day when gygax was writing adventures and it's funny to see how weird shit gets but it's also great to see new and improved ideas and like the level of love that people have for these settings Elijah runs his entire game off of that book but also because the rest of us really care about Dungeons and Dragons and like trying to be good players and be diligent about a setting he also uses fan created con fan created like maps to like reference places that there's no writing about and people will like try to troll through as much as they can of the old TSR releases to find all the information they can get Hell, I rewrote my character for his game to match up more with the the history and the timeline of the world at the point that Temple of Elemental Evil takes place. Just because I care about the being as close to the original thing as possible, as much as we are sort of anti-Gaxian about uh, playing this, um, the game itself, uh, taking in modern sensibilities and going, ah, this funny quaint little thing Gygax you're really weird about this very particular thing I don't get how Catholics on Mars would not have cleric magic as here it's a weird description for another time um, the other thing I see with 1D&D is potentially a very dangerous shift away from allowing third-party content but i don't see the underlying notes of that because they still have the dm's guild you can get reprints or pdfs of older adventures and still run them for older editions um, as well as official writers in wizards of the coast are writing expanded content that didn't make the books but they're at least balancing them and adding them so people can have other content to add to their games and i love that my homebrew game i run has a vast amount of extra rules and stuff that just make the game harder while also still being entertaining uh, at least to the best of my knowledge entertaining for my players and i really want to be able to see third-party stuff still be able to be usable while also maybe integrating some of that third-party content to beyond and not having to rely on a third party and buying something again for a third or even a fourth time depending on your game in order to like have everything c gathered in one spot and i guess this is a good tie-in um to the beginning of um this in this very brief in the news is the the dispersal the, the dispersing of content across multiple licenses and across multiple companies is really frustrating as a consumer because you want everything under one umbrella but that also can lead into the danger of monopolies and we don't want monopolies in our world because that leads to a lot of problems i'm not going to get into politics i'm not going to do that this is not that kind of show for that i'm not any sort of person who has any right to actually speak officially on anything in regards to like 
how corporations run their business, how politics ties into it, and how um, corporations use the law for their own gain. What I am saying, though, is that there's a real there's other options other than just owning everything in order to have everything under a single umbrella. People can come together and agree on certain things and certain deals, and figure out a way to how have, have everyone viewed and shared equally without having to go and spend hundreds of dollars on things whether it be i want to watch seinfeld but i can't see it on netflix so now i have to go see it on peacock but not peacock's not worth having worth the price to go and like just see seinfeld because there's other shows on there i'm not interested in or netflix and it's blow of problems um it's i don't want to see that with I don't want to see what's going on with streaming happen to gaming, which it's dangerously close for um, for video games. I don't want to see it happen with tabletop gaming, because tabletop gaming is a different space, but there's still the same corporate system that can run it and ruin it and just demolish any sort of chance of being able to have that sort of independence. I think for right now, I think that'll do it for this little brief into the news. Um, thank you for listening. Um, I hope that with this, maybe I can make in the news something that I do, um, separate from Al- from Alec and Elijah, because our schedules are all sort sort of jumbled, and being able to record and post something just to keep things current would be nice. And I've said this, we've said this before, um, but hopefully, uh, you enjoyed what you listened to. And we hope to uh, have you again. Mm-hmm.